Hello, my name is Kevin Shields and welcome to the Cracked Real Podcast. This is episode four, which is releasing slightly early. I normally tend to record these, well it is Sunday now, but I tend to record them on a Sunday or maybe a Monday and have them out by Monday or Tuesday. But I'm going to try have this out tonight because tonight is Oscars night and I decided I'd just do an episode just dedicated to the Oscars. My, my initial plan was to actually do my 100 of the decade this weekend but I think I'll just record that during the week at some stage I can do this anytime really so I, I, there's no rush but um it will happen don't worry I, I'll, I'll keep that promise um but with this I wanted to just talk about well I kind of want to have a brief talk about the independent spirit awards that were on last night or film independent spirit awards uh and just how much better than the Oscars those awards are and I, I never really give them enough credit because I don't, I don't know when they're showing. I always forget that they're showing. And I remember it's the, the event itself actually sticking out to me a few years ago purely because of Mickey Rourke. Now, back in 2008, Mickey Rourke gave one of the best performances I've ever seen in one of my favourite ever movies, The Wrestler. And he had that award stolen from him at the Oscars. Um, Sean Penn played Harvey Milk in Milk, and I thought... He put a brilliant performance in and it was a really good film. But Mickey Rock was just the best. He was better than everyone. And he won pretty much all the awards leading up to it. So that's why it was a big upset for this. Um, whether that had anything to do with the fact that those fucking cunts, the uh, Westboro Baptist Church, were outside protesting the movie, I don't know. But the speech he gave at the Independent Spirit Awards back then was just one of the most memorable things I'd ever seen. Because he just... I didn't realise as well that this award is so much more laid back. The Oscars is full of just fake fucking plastic smiles and nonsense. Whereas this just has a really... It just feels like a, all these independent filmmakers, directors, actors, writers, all that... Are just hanging out for an afternoon and getting awards and having the crack. Whereas the Oscars just feels so fake and scripted and nothing feels real and all the fake smiles and uh, i'm pretty sure i said smiles twice now but just everything about it just feels artificial whereas this feels so laid back and a lot of fun and everyone looks like they're enjoying themselves and there's no awkward moments like nearly every oscars or most award shows you have someone who comes out and they try to do something really serious or i mean like from what i saw with this anyway that wasn't just full of fucking bullshit pandering speeches about fucking the environment and things like that that have nothing to do with movies like it just feels really natural uh, and actually when I was thinking of just awkward moments there what came to mind was I think it was Terence Howard he just gave them creepiest weirdest fucking speeches and interviews and stuff like that it's like he's trying to be really poignant and interesting and it just comes off so fake but with uh, the one in 2008 Mickey Walk just got up and it, it just looked like he was at a, a fucking roast or something or at a birthday he just had the crack was just telling everyone they should uh, hire um, Eric Roberts and just saying how fucking shy people are and how great people are and it was just really foul mouthed as well he just went up it was just it was just so natural and so fun and everyone loved it and it kind of made his loss to the oscars all the more painful really but last night at the independent spirit awards he had a bit of a, a rival in terms of best speech that i'd seen it and that was the unbelievably snubbed adam sandler uh, i mean snubbed from the oscars he fucking has been dominating everywhere else but um he um he went up last night and accepted his award and he just, he did it almost in a character but it was just, he took the piss out of himself, he took the piss out of others, he had loads of fun and then it was about six minutes of him just having the crack and 
about his film out as Mickey Rourke and just it just felt so much more fun you would never in a million years see that at the Oscars uh, everyone who goes up to the Oscars it's either either nonsense that has nothing to do with movies or it's just long winded teary eyed super serious crap like this is just so much better uh, and then the Safdie brothers went up and gave a fucking great speech as well by um they both had prepared a speech and decided to read them simultaneously to give you that same claustrophobic head melting feeling that both good time and uncut gems give you when all characters are talking all the time and it's just it was so natural and it was really funny and obviously went down well and an important thing happened at that as well is someone was recording this afterwards but they went up and said hi to Nicolas Cage and gave him a big hug and it looked like they had a head on all three of them that was like we're going to work together and holy fuck if they work together I'll be very very happy and actually Nicolas Cage just got loads of praise at that anyway which was good uh, he hosted the Robert Altman award and gave it to Noah Baumbach and the cast of Marriage Story which well deserved by the way because that's an amazing film but it was also a brief reunion for himself and Laura Dern and Laura Dern also had a brief reunion with Willem Dafoe because all three were in Wild at Heart uh, one of David Lynch's best films and I don't know, I just think everyone was giving Nicolas Cage a real kind of like, we're glad to see you here, like you deserve to be here. And he does, because I've been flying the flag for Nicolas Cage for years now. He has done some shite movies, undeniably. Like he's he's done some cheap shit that he clearly just does for the paycheck. But when he does stuff he wants to do, he gives 110% and he's always totally unique. The time, The only times I wouldn't actually like Nicolas Cage are when he's not trying. And that's... Like this shitty movie I watched last year. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It wasn't Kill Chain, was it? Oh no, Primal. He, he did like four or five movies last year. And all of them apparently weren't great. But well, actually, Colour Out of Space I really liked. And again, that's a movie where he clearly tried. He was working with Richard Stanley. An independent movie. Really unique. He puts in a very cagey performance. But again, I never see when he does mad shit in a movie as unrealistic. I just see it as, that's exactly how he would behave. If Nicolas Cage is in half the situations he's in in these movies, I imagine that's exactly what he'd be like. So it's not unrealistic, it's just that it's totally unique to him. Um, but that one primarily did. It was a shitty action movie which had one of the biggest, most glaring errors uh, throughout the movie. It's all set over about 24 hours or something, or 48 hours. But he has a full beard to clean shaven back and forth several times throughout the plot. And I couldn't actually believe my eyes that this went unchecked. Um but it's a, it's a fun premise but a shitty movie and when he's kind of just walking in and out of scenes saying his dialogue you can tell he's just doing that because it's like look I have to pay off debts or whatever but when he really goes for it even if he seems crazy even if it seems wild and just like nothing you've ever seen that's a good thing as far as I'm concerned it's nothing you've ever seen he's given 110% and there's a reason he's an Oscar winner and there's a reason why he's so well respected because he's totally unique and he gives directors everything. He gives them everything they need to go along with the movie. Like he'll do a hundred takes if needs be in different ways to allow the director to find his vision. And that's one of the most respectable things you can see in an actor. But um, if he got to work with the, the Safdie brothers now, because I mean, I, in a sense, they uh, they kind of pull the rug underneath people with the, their choices because. I've said pull the rug on any people so many times. I think I said it last podcast and then I was actually on another podcast which I'm going to mention in a minute. Um, but they picked Adam Sandler when even though Adam Sandler has done some great independent stuff already 
they picked him and a lot of people were like, what, Adam Sandler in a fucking thriller? What's this all about? And then, obviously, Robert Pattinson, even though he's starting to make a name for himself, kind of like Matthew McConaughey for a short time, they were like, what's Matthew McConaughey doing in these kind of movies? He's the fucking heartthrob guy, like, what, guy from Twilight, guy from fucking shitty rom-coms for the last 10 years, and then they just blow everyone away. So the Safdies kind of know who they're picking, and if they get Nicolas Cage, oh, that would be the best. I would, I'd love Nicolas Cage to win another Oscar. He fucking he deserves it. I think he should have gotten one from Mandy, even though... People will probably laugh at that, but he honestly is just fucking superb in it. But this isn't a Nicolas Cage episode, as much as I fucking would like it to be. Um, I was just talking about the Spirit Awards and just how much better than the fucking Oscars they were. And they kind of, they, they're, they, I mean, obviously they choose independent stuff because, I mean, with the Oscars, they're sort of cherry-picking some independent stuff, mostly going for whatever the big mainstream stuff is. I mean, you look at the likes of The Irishman, even though it's a Netflix thing, it's still Scorsese. And you got Tarantino, and I think actually I'm not sure. I must check this now for the uh, Spirit Awards. I don't think Greta Gerwig was up, which is kind of surprising because I would look at Little Women as an independent film, but it seems to be considered a, a total mainstream thing, which I find surprising. No, she doesn't seem to be here. But they obviously they gave recognition to first of all Shia LaBeouf was for Honey Boy. Um, which is like partially based on his life he's pretty much playing a version of his dad I haven't watched it now but he's by all accounts brilliant in it um, but he's a strange one because I've gone through a phase of hating Shia LaBeouf to thinking he's actually pretty cool to thinking he's actually a fucking cunt to thinking I really hate this guy to thinking oh, he's not that bad to thinking oh, he's brilliant then to thinking he's an arsehole again and it's just he just keeps changing but it seems in, in the last couple of years now he's really turned himself around because I think as an actor, he's brilliant. That I think he's undeniable. He's like I first thing I saw him in was I Robot and I hated him, and he always came off annoying. But when he when he really tries now, he's fucking superb. He really steals the scenes and he gives a hundred and ten percent. But I think he was an alcoholic for a while, and I think that resulted in a lot of the crazy sort of meltdowns he had and trouble he caused. He got into fights and was just doing all sorts of weird, annoying shit to people, and it just. It rubbed everyone the wrong way, but it seems that he's made amends for that in the last couple of years, so I tip my hat to him. He's fucking, he's kind of come back now and he's doing well. And the movie he did last year, The Peanut Butter Falcon, was fucking really good. I, can't, I don't remember if he directed that. Maybe he did, I don't know. But obviously they gave recognition to Willem Dafoe for The Lighthouse, because he was fucking amazing in that film, and that was a terrible snub at the Oscars. And, what's his face, Robert Pattinson as well got a nomination. Obviously the biggest snow but the whole fucking year is going to be Adam Sandler for Uncle Gems and the Safdie brothers for not only best picture but best directing because they're they're unlike anyone else in terms of what they do with their directing style they're just amazing and they're obviously getting recognition worldwide everyone loves them when Netflix took Uncle Gems people I know who probably would never have bought it their arse seen at the cinema were all watching it on Netflix everyone was going for it it was a huge success and now everyone's looking for more of their stuff. I know people who are dying to see Good Time now. They're even going as far back as the likes of Daddy Long Legs and Heaven Knows What. And I just know in the next few months they're going to be seen as among the best. Which they deserve to be. But the Oscars should be fucking kicking themselves for not fucking nominating them for anything. It's a joke. And <clears throat> I mean, what's it called? Uh, the Lighthouse obviously got a nomination for cinematography which it deserves because it was fucking amazing looking. How they cannot give Robert Eggers a directing award. The fucking score from um, 
God, I'm not going to remember his name now. He, did, he was actually just part of some fucking 80s band before he started doing the music. I don't know if he was nominated for the Spirit Awards. I'll find his name out in a couple of minutes. But he, uh, the score for that movie was the best horror score I've heard in years. It's so tense and so atmospheric and the whole time. It just gives it a, a level of anxiety like nothing else. I mean, obviously Uncle Gems has its own bizarre way of giving you an anxious feeling. But this is something else with, with the, the lighthouse. It's just so much more brooding and horrible. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a few other films here. Like A Hidden Life, I didn't actually get to see. I wanted to see that. It was the Terrence Malick one, who I've already said before I'm a bit... Uh, 50-50 on him or maybe even 70-30 but that was up for best feature at the Independence Film Award Film, oh, Independence Film Spirit Award Film Independence Spirit Award whatever the fuck this thing is called it's really annoying it's got FISA whatever that stands for uh, but there was that in a movie called Clemency which I haven't even heard of and The Farewell ended up being the winner which I still haven't seen yet although I do know what happens in it but I mean it looks like it could be good but I'm, I'm surprised that neither Uncle James or Mario's story took that and I never saw Booksmart either Olivia Wilde's directed movie which apparently is fantastic uh, that one for the best first feature which I mean I, I like the the uh, the categories for this too they've got best first feature I like that they say instead of actor and actress they just have female lead and male lead which just makes more sense best director screenplay best first screenplay I like that as well they kind of they give a lot of uh, attention to first time writers directors and things like that and uh the cinematography awards obviously they gave midsummer the a nod which that deserved too because that was phenomenal and i don't know i just think they just did some really fucking interesting stuff with this and it's so much better than the oscars (laughs) just in terms of atmosphere and everything else but i want to make this my kind of oscars discussion episode i'm going to do this in two parts um because i'm going to i plan on having this out there tonight and then I might record one tomorrow because I'm going to watch the Oscars tonight. Um, I have to consider doing a commentary for it, but I have the feeling it would just be me calling everyone cunts for fucking four hours, so I don't think it would be worth listening to. Um, but I am going to discuss it tomorrow and talk about some of the stuff that went on in it and the inevitable eye-rolling shite that... Because like, every year, something happens every year. Someone's going to fall, there's going to be some cringy shit said. It happens every year. And I'm annoyed there's no host this year. Because they did, they did the same last year as well. And I think it's a stupid idea. I'd like a decent fucking host to come out. I'd love Kevin Hart to get another shot at it. Because the fact he didn't get to do it last time was absolute bollocks. And it's a shame he uh, he stood down. I wish he stood his ground and said, No, I'm going to fucking do this Oscars. And that's the way it is. But I don't know who could do it this year. I'd actually fucking love Dave Chappelle or something to do it. I'd love Ricky Gervais to do it. I kind of want someone that'll have the crack. But also take these people down a peg. Because the atmosphere that they have at the Spirit Awards is the, the atmosphere they should have. But they just take themselves way too seriously. And to have someone come out there and kind of put them in check and be like, look, stop being so serious. Just fucking enjoy yourself. Would be nice. Um, but anyway, I'm digressing here. Um, I'll actually quickly, I, I don't know if I saw much. I'm just trying to think since my last time recording an episode. Actually, I did. I saw a few films, which I'm going to just give a very, very brief overview of here before i talk about um what's it called uh the oscar stuff so well although there's two movies here i'll be talking about for the oscars so i'll, I'll get into them then but obviously i, I might have mentioned green room last time i think i did but yeah love green room it was great to re- watch it again and watch some shocked faces while it was happening because i watched it with a friend of mine who hadn't seen it 
Um, I watched The Land, which was a skateboard drug dealer movie set in Ohio, I think. And I watched that as part of a double bill with one of my all-time favourite films, The Proposition. Uh, which anyone who follows me on social media got to see a, a little bit of trivia that the, the Cracked Reel logo actually comes from the Proposition poster. I use the same background from the poster and just use a similar Western-style font to come up with the Cracked Reel logo, which is actually two, I think, uh, I don't know, the fucking just two lines plus a cross, going to, or hyphens going through them to make it look like crosses. Um and the reason I watched the two of those back to back was because I appeared on Raiders of the Podcast. The podcast I mentioned on my first episode, which is one of the podcasts that kind of pushed me to do this, along with especially Lazy Dad's Guide to Movies and just a general desire to actually fucking start doing this. But listen to their podcast. I like their whole style of everyone chooses a movie, they all talk about it, and it's, it's very kind of focused, unlike me who goes off on fucking two hour tangents talking about shite and the odd review thrown in. But I got to go on that as a, a special guest that was on there with Tyler Hosley and Dave M. Gray and the haunting spirit of Kevin Matthews, which I think is the best way to describe it because he unfortunately wasn't able to be there for it but got to record his input and it was, it was thrown in after. Um, but it was really good fun and it was nice to do something a bit more focused even though it took me so long to get used to actually not talking over people uh, because obviously we're doing it through Skype. I can't see anyone and I can't tell when they're finished. Because American people in general have longer pauses in conversations than, than I do, at least. So it's times when they'd be pausing and i think, oh, they must be finished and then I'd start, but they're already continuing their next point. And a bit of a nightmare, but the, the podcast came together brilliantly and it was a pleasure to be on there. So if you want to hear my full thoughts on the land and obviously, you know, my thoughts on the proposition, I fucking talk about it all the time through my review site, wherever else. You can listen to their podcast on Raiders of the Podcasts. There's a blog spot they have where you can find all the episodes. But if you go to their Facebook page, that'll give you all the info. I got to watch something I've been meaning to see for years now. Which is just, a, I, you know me, fucking gritty 70s crime and thriller movies. I just fucking love them. Uh, but this is one called The Laughing Policeman with Walter Matthau and uh, Bruce Dern. Who I just would watch in anything anyway. And of course, Lewis Gossett Jr. who I didn't know was in it. So, but I actually half knew he was in because I remember a few years ago on YouTube someone put up a video of the top 100 best movie threats and he had a thread in it. I don't even want to say it because it's I won't do the justice it does but it involves uh, a sandwich and I remember seeing that clip and thought it was brilliant. Never knew what movie it was in and then it just, it caught me as soon as it, as soon as it happened to this I was like, oh, I fucking knew I recognised his outfit the way he looks and it was just brilliantly done. But the movie itself is a bit... It meanders a lot. I think it's a bit unfocused, but it's it, the opening in particular is so gritty. It was just fucking not fly today. Um, and there's some really great dialogue scenes, especially with Bruce Dern and Walter Matthau in particular. They're just fucking top class. Uh, but there is there's other characters. There's kind of side characters they have to talk to in order to progress the case and things like that. And they're a bit shite. And I think. The overall plot is good. I, I actually thought it was... I really enjoyed the movie. It's well worth a watch. It's just that it's, it does meander. It's a bit slow in a not great way. But you don't see gritty movies like that anymore. And that's that's why it always gets my thumbs up for movies like that from the 70s. Uh, and the other two movies I'm going to talk about through this episode. And they are ones that are nominated. One of them is Little Women, which I finally got to see. And Richard Jewell. And I'll get to them 
when I go through the list of nominees and stuff here. So, um, so yeah, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the movies that are nominated for each category. I'm going to say stuff that I would like to have been nominated and st- what I think will win, what I think should win. And I don't know. I suppose I could talk about the upsets, but eh, it's, I, you never know. Well, the problem is with all the award ceremonies that lead up to this, bar the kind of independent ones where it's it's kind of up in the air who may or may not win. When you see the likes of the Globes and the Emmys and whatever the fuck else, you kind of just know what's coming. So when you have 1917 has been like topping the charts for all these, or maybe not topping the charts, not the right phrase, but has been the one that people are going for the, the one that's winning all the awards is 1917 and you have judy Gar- or what's her face renee zellweger winning for judy playing judy garland she's always winning and parasite's obviously gonna win best foreign film i think a lot of these are obvious choices at this stage it kind of almost seems redundant when these awards come out because even though there's lots of good stuff because i mean uh, let me just go to the best I'll, I'll go through all the categories here now anyway so for best motion picture of the year, you have nominated 1917, Joker, Little Women, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Irishman, Parasite, Marriage Story, Le Mans 66, I'm not going to call it Ford versus Ferrari because that's just a fucking stupid name, and Jojo Rabbit. And a lot of these are popular, A lot of they're all obviously well liked, I mean it's probably the best fucking Oscar lineup I've seen in years. Every year there's movies that make me roll my eyes and think like, this is a lot of bollocks. Like last year was such a shitty Oscars lineup that I didn't even watch it. That was my first time not watching the Oscars in like 12 years. And I'm actually going to watch it again tonight. Half for this podcast, half because it's actually such a good fucking year for movies that I'm excited to see what happens. But for instance, The Joker, Jojo Rabbit, Le Mans 66. Well, yeah, pretty much those four maybe. Parasite as well. I don't see any of them winning. It's likely just going to be 1917 or The Irishman. Or maybe like a Parasite would be a really nice win for Best Picture, but they'd probably be uproar. You know what fucking people are like, especially because I mentioned this on the Raiders podcast the other day. But I saw this fucking idiot who it was like an anonymous source from the thousands of people who get screeners and whatever else to give their opinions on the movies, and they just said the dumbest shit <laughs> about these movies. They're saying that they don't think Parasite should win because it's foreign, and that American directors should win. And I thought. That is the dumbest fucking shit in the world. The importance of these awards are that you just choose the best. This is best motion picture of the year. If that's the best film, then it should win. It should have nothing to do with where it's from. I know they have the foreign film or the foreign language one. I think the way a lot of these other awards handle this stuff, the way they handle this stuff is better. Like the the BAFTAs have best British film, best British director. I think they should do that. I think they, they should have Best American Film, Best American Director. That way they can pat themselves on the back and if Parasite was to win Best Picture there wouldn't be any upset from these fucking goons because they want to just support themselves and whatever else. But, I mean, it's it's just so so odd because 1917 has been winning all of them. It's pretty much a shoe-in. There might be, like, uh, I know you said it again, a rug pull from underneath. I need to go up with a different fucking word for that. But, I mean, last, what year was it? 2015, 14... Whatever your Birdman was up, I remember that won everything, and then and Michael Keaton was due to win Best Actor. I can't. Did he lose? It wasn't Eddie Redmayne he lost? It was it? I think it actually could have been. I don't remember, but I just remember 
he was such a shoe and he was even actually reaching for his speech when they were calling out the names for the nominees and it was kind of sad watching him have to slowly put it back in but I mean there is a rug oh god I nearly said it again why do I keep fucking saying that they catch you off guard they surprise you whatever the fucking word is they do that now and then and I think it was the year spotlight one I can't remember what else was due to win or what people expected to win that year but that copy off guard as well so there is a chance for 1917 to maybe lose out to maybe once upon a time once upon a time in hollywood because it's a hollywood based movie it's just you know what the oscars are like with hollywood there's a chance it could win i would not be at all upset about that because it's my pick for fucking best of the year but i just think it it almost seems redundant to have like i'd love if every fucking award show leading up to this was a total surprise where joker won best picture one year and they're like holy shit and then the next film to win is the man 66 and people have no idea what's going to win for the oscars it could be anything but you almost you just have such a good idea of what's going to win by the time it comes around that it it sort of kills the fun of it you're more just waiting for them to say oh here comes 1917 here comes fucking joker like for joaquin phoenix like he's a shoe in joaquin phoenix so i'll actually move on to or i'll quickly say uncle james should have been up there if i could remove i mean i liked jojo rabbit it would not be near the best picture place for me Little Women, I suppose I'll talk about it now, actually. I'll give a quick rundown of Little Women. I really enjoyed it. I didn't think I would purely because Greta Gerwig annoys the shit out of me. And it's mostly because of Francis Half. But uh, Lady Bird, I thought, was quite good. I really enjoyed it. But it's, again, people were talking about it like it's a masterpiece. And I can't understand why. It just, it didn't offer anything new. And... I enjoyed it. I just didn't think it was amazing. Saoirse Ronan's grand in it as well, but everyone's saying I think she might have been up for an Oscar for it. But again, I wouldn't agree with that. Herself and Florence Pugh put in. I'm pretty sure Pugh is how you pronounce her name as well. That's how I'm gonna say it. They put in great performances, and Timothy Chalamet is always excellent. Even though he's a fucking asshole in this film, he annoyed the fucking bollocks off me. Um, and it was really nice to see Chris Cooper again because he's just class and everything he was also in beautiful day in the neighborhood but he looks 40 years older in this film and obviously he had a bit of a, a reunion with meryl streep as well uh after adaptation and who else oh yeah bob odenkirk was great to see appear out of nowhere who uh i watched it was got to see it with my mom and she said that he looked exactly like kevin costner and then i couldn't unsee that but obviously, Bob Odenkirk is an infinitely better actor than Kevin Costner. I've said this before. He's been in some good stuff and he might suit the roles that he's in. But I don't think Kevin Costner is all that good an actor. He just annoys the shit out of me. Um, but no, it's a really, really nice looking film. It's really well directed, well acted. I think Emma Watson is just kind of there. She doesn't really add much to the film. And just the Australian one. I'm not going to remember her name at all now. I have to check it. Um who she was also good in the film but I'm, i need to remember her fucking name uh oh eliza scanlon which is a bit of an irish name but she's very good in the film as well but again they're kind of underused the two main characters would be florence Pugh and saoirse ronan's characters uh obviously laura dern makes an appearance as well and she's great in it tracy letts has a, a mild scene in it um he, he's important to the film i suppose but it's kind of seems a bit thrown in there uh, but the film itself, I really enjoyed it. Really well acted. Um, I found the characters quite annoying for a lot of it, but then you kind of grow to like them. I think 
it's a very solid film, but for best picture, no way. It doesn't deserve a best picture nomination. Um, I mean, there's already been like two or three Little Women films already. It's just kind of the same thing, but obviously with a bit of a modern twist. And I know there were some speeches thrown into the film that weren't in the original novel or in the original versions of it. But yeah, it's very good. But again, wouldn't be up for best picture. Um, it's a hard choice as well because I mean, obviously, I loved Joker. I loved it, but it's hard to call it best picture at the same time. It's tough. I I mean, if if I had to come up with my nominees for the Oscars, it would be a hard thing to do. But I suppose what I would like to see win... Well, that's actually a tough question as well, because I do like everything that's there. I do think everything's really good. I mean, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Marriage Story were my two favourites in that list. But, I mean, Parasite, Irishman and Joker are all excellent. Le Mans 66 was brilliant. And obviously I do like Jojo Rabbit and Little Women, but I don't think they deserve the, the nomination. But it is a tough one. I would like to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in because that's my favourite film of that year. Uh, a nice surprise would be Parasite. Uh, or even The Iron... I'm really at a loss here. It's a re- It's such a fucking good year for Best Pictures. But I do think... The, the big surprise... I'd say a huge surprise for everyone would be if... Le Mans 66 or Jojo Rabbit won. I think everyone would be like, holy shit. Um, but it's likely going to be 1917. So I'll move on to the best actor now I mentioned Joaquin Phoenix earlier he obviously is nominated for Joker he is a shoe in he's more than likely going to take this Antonio Banderas was really really good in Pain and Glory but again not sure I'd have it as best actor I can't even think who I'd replace him with well probably Adam Sandler but I was going to say that for Jonathan Price. now I haven't seen the two popes I don't have interest in popes it's by all accounts a decent film but I just nothing about it has me interested and just seeing him do an impression of the Pope for two hours I don't think is going to trump Adam Sandler putting in arguably the performance of his career at least next to um, Punch Drunk Love so he should definitely have had that spot but I, I don't know like Tony Banderas is undeniably very good in Pain and Glory I really enjoyed the film but best best actor I don't know um, <coughs> Leonardo DiCaprio is phenomenal in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Actually, no, I do. I would replace Antonio Banderas and Robert Pattinson because he's fucking tremendous. Leonardo DiCaprio obviously is fantastic. He'd be a great surprise if he won. I'd be delighted. My pick, though, would be Adam Driver. Adam Driver is fucking phenomenal in Marriage Story. Like, it's almost amazing how fucking good he is in that film. Both him and Scarlett, who I'll get on to shortly, um, if only. But I think Adam Driver, to take that award, would be fucking amazing but I think Joaquin Phoenix is going to have it he just he's been sailing in out of award shows sadly demanding people be vegan but he's going in and out of award shows and just sweeping up all them Oscars or awards I should say uh, so he, I, he's a shoe in for this as far as I'm concerned um, so we move on to well look at best uh, supporting actress so I have only seen two of the films nominated here which is unfortunate because I wanted to see Bombshell, which I, I won't have time to see before it's actually showing, uh, which is Charlize Theron is nominated for that. I think it's I know it's based on a true story, and I've actually had a couple of people now say that it's it's reminiscent of The Big Short, and another person who said it was a, kind of similar to Vice, but I suppose they're sort of one one of the same. But I don't know too much about it, and I, I do want to see it because I like the cast. Um, I didn't get to see Harriet, which is the Harriet Tubman story. I think I don't know whether it's been I know it's been done referenced in other projects before but uh so Cynthia Erivo I think is how you say her name 
she has been fucking brilliant in everything I've seen her in. I saw her in Widows and she really stood out in that. Then more recently I've been watching her in The Outsider and she's fucking superb in that. And obviously Bad Times at the Hour Yeah, she's really good as well. She has a really... There's something about her that's really unique, I suppose. She has a weird sort of awkwardness to her in every role, but it, it works for her. So I imagine she'd be really good in this, but I never got a chance to see it. Um, and obviously Renee Zellweger is dominating this like I've I remember when I saw the trailer for Judy I just thought like eh it looks fine it looks it kind of looks boring to be honest I don't really know or care much about Judy Garland but by all accounts it's very good at least because she's brilliant in it uh, but unfortunately I didn't get a, a chance to see that either and obviously Sir Sharona was nominated for Little Women very good performance again don't know whether I'd have it up as an Oscar worthy performance but she is very good in it uh, and, and my choice here is Scarlett Johansson she is phenomenal in marriage story i remember before i even knew judy garland was nominated for anything else i was saying scott johansson has this in the bag she's that good but i mean i could be wrong i mean like i said they like to change it up a bit and kind of give it to someone you're not expecting so if, if scott johansson walked away with that award i'd be more than happy because she's brilliant so i'm basically using imdb here i'm just scrolling down so best supporting actor um al pacino got a nomination he's fantastic I thought he was brilliant in that movie, although, I mean, I can't say he's not worthy of the award. He was excellent in it, but I suppose I'm more just disgusted at the fact that Willem Dafoe hasn't been getting a nomination. Like, that is just a crime, because he's so good in that film. Like, you forget you're even watching both Willem Dafoe or Robert Pattinson. You're just so lost in that fucking movie and, and their performances, and he just has the most memorable fucking shit that he says. Uh, so it's unfortunate he was nominated but no no, actually I, I can't take that back I think Al Pacino was very good in that film um, I'm just thinking of all the performances as I'm going through this he, he did stand out in that it's probably the best thing I've seen him do in years obviously again Anthony Hopkins just playing a pope it's hard to kind of get me involved I'm sure it's, I'm sure both him, himself and Jonathan Price put in great performances but they're just it, it hasn't interested me at all and I know what's his face uh, Taron Edgerton was up for playing out in John like he got a lot of praise for that I think he won a globe for it and he is tremendous oh no that was a lead role when I think about it but he is a tremendous uh, performance but I think it's, it's sometimes hard for me to get on board with people just playing real people like Remy Malik playing Freddie Mercury I think he did a good job but I don't think he was incredible in it I think he was very good I think it's a solid film but people really fucking over uh, overpraise that movie I think or overrated probably the word um, Joe Pesci tremendous in The Irishman he really stood out because it was I think when you hear Scorsese's doing a movie with like his his go to guys for gangster movies you expect Joe Pesci's going to just be shouting and kicking the fuck out of people and just doing his usual thing but he was way more reserved in this film and I actually think it did a great service to him because he's fucking phenomenal and he really is memorable some of the, I mean, I could talk about the de-aging all day with that movie because there's times where it looks really, really, like, incredible, like, revolutionary. And times where you're looking at it going, they could have done a fucking much better job of that. I think when they're supposed to be in their maybe 40s or 50s, it looks the best. When they're about 20 years ago, it looks totally real. When they're going really young, I'm quite aware of it. Like, everyone, there's a particular scene everyone talks about, and I noticed it at the time as well, of De Niro beating some guy up. And even though he looks young in it, he moves like a 75-year-old. Like, he just... He looks so 
awkward. Like, I know they didn't want to use body doubles and stuff, but that would have been a scene where it would be a good idea to use one. Who the fuck else? Oh yeah, uh, Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. He is, <laughs> he was born to play that role. I think I mentioned this last time uh, when I, I did a review last week or the week before for that film. Uh, how it turns out he was a distant cousin to Mr. Rogers, which is just makes so much sense. But yeah, he was really born to play that role. He looked and sounded like him in the weirdest way. Like you're still kind of aware it's Tom Hanks, which I mean I suppose kind of breaks the illusion for some people. But he's so good in the role, and you just you totally believe that he is this kind of character and i think a lot of people were surprised i remember some people were like oh they went to see that film not expecting it that he was just pretty much the side character they thought it was going to be about his life and maybe that hurt the film for them i don't know but i think by having him used so minimally in it it just made all his scenes all the more impactful so he's definitely one to look out for in this one whether he wins it i doubt it i don't think he's gonna win i think at least i hope brad pitt wins because Brad Pitt once upon a time in Hollywood is just fantastic. And he's so memorable. Both him and Leo were just amazing in that film. But I think Pitt left a really good impression with everyone because he's just he's hilarious in it. He's just the epitome of cool throughout the whole film. And it's just I could watch him drive around fucking nineteen sixties LA for hours. It's just so fucking entertaining. Uh, and he's a hero. He's a hero in that film. Um less said about it the better, but he's a hero. Um but also with all the speeches now actually my, my brother sent me a link there recently which kind of made this quite disappointing because he's been winning a lot all these supporting actor awards and he's just been like i said the epitome of cool he just walks swaggers out there and just takes the piss out of himself takes the piss out of tarantino takes the piss out of leo he just has loads of fun and it just makes him all the more likable but i'd heard that he has writers for his uh, speeches. And if that's the case. That is just so disappointing. I hate the idea of someone coming out there. And effectively just acting again. They're, they're just reading dialogue again. And it kind of kills the illusion. That they're just this fun and cool in person. When you look at the the Spirit Awards. You can tell that these are just themselves. And that's what I like about them. Um, but there's a good chance he's going to take this. Because he's been winning them all. But I think the, the person who would really give him a run for his money. Is Joe Pesci. And I'd be more than happy with either of them winning. A surprise would probably be the likes of Anthony Hopkins or Jonathan Price or something. I, I don't think anyone's really thinking about them. Um, but sure, fucking you never know what's going to happen to these. Uh, so we'll move on to the Best Supporting Actress. Now, the first one I'm going to mention is from the film I watched last night, Richard Jewell, or yeah, last evening. Uh, Kathy Bates is fantastic in this film. Re- like, I'd be really happy if she actually walked away with that award because there's a few scenes in it like she's not in it a lot she's in some of the more key scenes I suppose well I'll get into a proper discussion about the film now so like I did with Little Women a couple of minutes ago now I'm actually gonna find Richard Jewell here because I know for a fucking fact I'm gonna forget so many details (laughs) of this movie or at least the the actors names okay so obviously Clint Eastwood is returning to direct again uh had a lot of controversy a couple of years ago with The Mule, which was just ridiculous. The controversy, I mean, the film's actually quite entertaining, I enjoyed it. But people just apply bullshit meanings to all his films and like to get upset over nothing. I thought it was a very entertaining film, he's likeable in it. Surprised he's still acting because he said he was retiring after, I think that's, was it after Gran Torino? I can't remember, but um, he's been directing fairly solidly anyway. Like I, I liked Sully, I didn't see 1517 to Paris, I think that's the numbers, but apparently it was rubbish and 
by hiring the actual guys involved in the situation I think was it's kind of just like a weird dramatization rather than a film and apparently there's a lot of nonsense in it and I don't know it's just unfortunate but I enjoyed Sully and with this it's it's one of those films that's really frustrating because the guy involved in the film is clearly likable almost immediately so it's played by Paul Walter Hauser who there's a kind of some funny connections with his character in this movie he was in I saw him in I Tanya's and I Tanya's the first thing I actually remember seeing him in and he was great in that movie and he's really funny in it because that's, that's a film where it's just it has a Goodfellas pacing with some really funny scenes but it's also tense and dark and there's a lot going on but his character in that is involved in the the whole Tanya Harding scandal and the knee bashing of uh, I can't remember the girl's name now um, no it'll, it'll never come back to me but he was involved in that whole scandal and apparently the real Richard Jill was uh, satirised on the likes of Saturday Night Live and they, they said that uh, as a joke he fucking bashed your one's leg in. What's her name? I'll never remember her fucking name but they basically said he was involved in that so I think it's kind of funny that he played the real life version of someone who as a piss take said they were involved in that scandal and he got to also play the person in that scandal unconnected. Um... That was a terrible way of actually describing all that. Uh, but he plays Richard Jewell in this and he's a really determined, law-abiding... I suppose he wants to be a member of law enforcement. He's just really determined to do good and I don't think he ever feels power mad. I think he just... He's so by the book. He hears if someone says they don't want any... I think... Uh, he works on a college campus as a security guard there. He gets fired because he's so hard on people. But he basically was told once years ago, uh, I don't want any Mickey Mouse on this campus. So he took that as carte blanche to go around and do whatever he wanted to prevent any trouble. Even if it's just teenagers drinking on campus, he would prevent it happening. So he's clearly determined, but it's, it's, almost, to a po- it's almost to a fault. Like he's, he's so trusting in law enforcement that even when he's being wronged by them he doesn't see it as wrong he just see, he looks at it really objectively like oh well this is what they're supposed to do this is the procedure the general plot of the movie is that he works as a security guard at the olympics in 1996 um in I think it's seattle if i remember correctly i could be wrong but he discovers a huge nail bomb hidden under his security bench and by discovering that and alerting people to it and knocking it over and all this kind of stuff he manages to save a lot of lives despite lots of people dying from the explosion he managed to save a lot of lives and he's considered a hero but the fbi start looking at him as uh, a target or not as a target sorry as a suspect and obviously this gets leaked to the press and then he becomes vilified in the nation as a potential terrorist and it's based on a real guy it fucking i thought it was tremendous now i think paul Walterhouse is fantastic in it sam rockwell plays his lawyer who is just excellent I, I, I think it's impossible for sam rockwell to put in a bad performance even if he's not in a good movie he's still fucking great in it and like there's actually the, the, the actual scene with the nail bomb is one of the most surprising and shocking scenes i've seen in a long time it really just caught me really well like i don't think they even expected it to to land that well it just it's very effectively done and obviously his mother is played by kathy bates he still is with his mother and she's just one of the most nicest nurturing southern types and 
almost every scene with her is pivotal to the story they're short that she's not in it a lot but when she's in it it's very effective and she's just fantastic in it i think the whole film is just really good it's the best thing clint was done in a while now um and I'd, I'd probably recommend like seeing it on the big screen if you can because it's i mean you could wait for it to come on netflix and whatever else but i think in the cinema it, it would do it justice because that uh that attack scene is just fantastic but it is it, it's it does slow down i think the first hour or so breezes by i think it was just it's so gripping and well done the second hour is kind of a lot of the same stuff it's more him just being unfairly like they're more or less manipulated by the fbi and having to deal with that and arranging uh searches and court cases and all that kind of shit or at least interviews and things like that so a lot of this is a bit repetitive but it actually is still very entertaining and tense because i actually wasn't sure what would happen i didn't know the story i just know the basic idea of a security guard was prevented an attack and then became a suspect so i think with that information that i've given there that's all you need to know because not knowing where this went kept me on the edge of my seat the whole time um and i thoroughly recommend you watch it now a lot of people were a bit annoyed about it and this seems to happen with any movie if there's a movie that goes after journalists or goes after the government or law enforcement people tend to be up in arms about it they always say that oh it paints journalists in a terrible light it paints the police or the government in a terrible light and it's i think people shit on the movie because of that but i don't because i mean there's no doubt good journalists there's no doubt good police officers there's no doubt good people involved in the government but there's a lot of fucking shit one. There's a lot of terrible journalists. Asshole journalists. There's a lot of fucking terrible people in the government. There's a lot of cunty fucking cops. This happens. So this movie's showing how unjustly this guy was treated by all of the above. And I think the people who were most upset is because the journalist that they're portraying as the one who leaked the, the story. She died back in 2001 or 2002 around that time. And they think it's an unfair character assassination to her. But, I mean, it's hard to know. I mean, as far as I know, that's probably what she was like. And I didn't find it unbelievable. I wasn't looking at that going, oh, they're really showing journalists in a bad light. I just looked at it going, yeah, that's probably how the fuck they behaved. But anyway, I'm digressing here. Uh, Kathy Bates is fantastic in that film. And there's a good chance she'll take that award. If she does, I'd be fucking more than happy because she is superb. That'd be one that I'd be happy with. I'd still be just as happy with the shoe-in, which is Laura Dern for Marriage Story, because she is tremendous in that film. She's pretty much excellent in everything. Uh, well, maybe not Star Wars, Last Jedi, but she's fucking fantastic in that film, and totally believable. Um, and I think she's I think she's taken all the awards so far, so I'd be, again, more than happy if she took that. Uh, Bombshell is up again, Margot Robbie's character. I still haven't seen that, as I said, so can't really give an opinion on it. Uh, Florence Pugh tremendous in that film as well probably wouldn't have her up there but she won't win anyway and this is the biggest most surprising one Scarlett Johansson and Jojo Rabbit I think I enjoyed like I said I really enjoyed Jojo Rabbit she actually is part of one of the most effective scenes in the whole movie um, but her performance in it is fine I, to have it up for best supporting actress is crazy I think I don't think she's good enough for that I mean for best actress 100% for Marriage Story she is incredible but for fucking her supporting actress role in that i wouldn't agree with um so i think laura dern would probably take it but i'd be happy with kathy bates taking that as well 
Uh, now this is probably <laughs> for myself and a lot of people the toughest decision and that's the best directing award now Todd Phillips is did a fantastic job with Joker he was incredible he'd probably be himself and uh, yeah he'd actually just be my my last choice for that because it's still fantastic but I think in comparison to the rest of the people here it's not as good uh, even if I preferred the movie, it's just it's not a good a directing job. Um, the shoe-in, of course, is Sam Mendes for 1917. I think you could argue he deserves it. Because he does. He, the way that film is directed is actually incredible. How it's all put together and controlled. A lot of that would come down to Roger Deakins' cinematography as well. But, I mean, obviously this guy's the puppet master to all this. He's putting it all together. Um and there are arguments to be made about the film. Like I, I reviewed it. I think it was on the first episode of this, and I loved it. And I think, I mean, if you look at it, if that was done traditionally, had that not been done with the effect of a single take, it might not have been as effective. But it still would have been fairly solid. Like it's kind of, it, it would have felt a lot more empty. The same way people describe Dunkirk, where they, you kind of don't know these characters even by name. You're just involved in that situation for an hour and a half. I mean, I think Dunkirk's a masterpiece. I think this would be similar, although a lot of it is to do with the fact it's an experience. <laughs> Which is why I think you should see it in IMAX, because you really get the full experience that way. But it's more of an experience film than anything. But yeah, I think he, he's, he would deserve it. But I mean, obviously I'd prefer some of the other lads here to get it. Uh, one of them, of course, being Martin Scorsese, because... The directing job he did with Irishman is incredible. I think, like I said, the performances are all fantastic. While the de-aging can be a bit ropey at times, when it works, it works really well. It's long, but it's fuck. It's just gripping the whole time. Especially the last near hour of the film is just edge of the sea. Like, it's almost a shame if you know anything about Jimmy Hoffa or the, the lads involved. I think if you got to see that completely fresh, you'd be totally on edge the whole time. But I, I just think he directed one of his best films. It's, it's his opus in terms of the gangster genre. Um, obviously, like Goodfellas is my favorite of them, of course. But this is his—it's almost his goodbye to it, or his love letter to that whole genre that he was involved in, and it's just fantastic. Uh, and then Boon Jung or Bong Joon Ho. Did I say Boon Jung Ho last time? It just occurred to me. I nearly said it again there, but I could have been saying his name wrong this whole time. But Bong Joon Ho who directed Parasite, is just one of the most unique directors out there. Every, every film he's done has been, has had an undercurrent of his style, but it's they're all totally different movies, and they're all really original ideas. Like, obviously, I haven't seen Mother now, um, the Korean one, not the Jennifer Lawrence one, but it's by accounts fantastic. I, I also never saw Barking Dogs Never Bite, but he did Memories of Murder, which is one of the best South Korean mystery thrillers I've ever seen it's just absolutely jaw-droppingly good he did Snowpiercer which was his first partial English language film and I really enjoyed that I, I would describe that as like watching Cloud Atlas on a train because every carriage is like its own short story that they get involved in it's really ambitious fucking movie uh, which I think they might be doing a series of it they're doing something with it and I'd rather they just fucking left it alone I'd rather it got a proper release over here though um, not have to rely on getting a fucking German Blu-ray of it but although I like getting them as well 
which I have some arriving tomorrow, which I'm going to fucking talk about uh, during the week. Um, but yeah, and then he obviously did uh, Okia there for Netflix, I think two or three years ago. And that was extremely unique and really fun and shockingly fucking uh, disturbing at times because like it, it, it's, some people say it'll turn you into a vegetarian. It didn't uh, for me anyway, but the whole film is kind of it plays very happy-go-lucky and fun but then it has some really really dark stuff going on in the background in it and some ugly fucking situations but it's uh definitely unique and well worth seeing so everything he's done has been unique this in particular parasite is just there's nothing like it out there absolutely nothing so i'd be very happy if he won the directing award because he's fantastic behind the camera and of course my absolute favorite here would be tarantino who directed once upon a time in hollywood and again that film is just a masterpiece to me every single little detail in that film is massively put together so for me that's who my choice would be i'd be happy with all of them not so much todd phillips i think he is very good as a director and he directs this really really well but just in comparison to the other four like he's nowhere near that level um Sam Mendes is the more than likely going to take it. It would be nice if any of them got it, but if Tarantino would be my pick. I think there's a chance he'll get it too, because, I mean, with the Academy saying they want an American, it, it's probably going to be him. And it's a movie about Hollywood. It's easy to fucking uh, to make that their decision. So uh, I'm actually talking a lot longer than I thought it would be. I, I wanted to only do this for an hour, uh, and I'm already approaching an hour, so... I don't know. I'll try. I'll breeze through the rest of these because I, I plan on doing another episode tomorrow, so I don't have too much. But um, so best original screenplay, nineteen seventeen, Marriage Story, Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Knives Out. Um, another tough one. Nineteen seventeen does not deserve to be there. Definitely not because the actual screenplay of that film is, it's not great. Like I said, it's it's a movie about experience. It's a movie about being in that situation. Really, the whole plot of that film is two brothers, or not two brothers, two young soldiers off to find a captain and tell him there's going to be an attack and to prevent it. So, or an ambush. Most of the film is just them getting there and it's more situational stuff rather than screenplay. So I really don't get why that's up for for best screenplay. I definitely wouldn't have that there. Uncut Gems would be there, uh, for sure. And probably The Lighthouse as well. Uh, Knives Out I thought was absolutely tremendous that's probably one of the smartest well written and wittiest screenplays of the year so I can see why that's nominated it won't win it'd be nice if it won but it won't win Um, Parasite again totally unique totally original nothing like it very happy if that won Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood I absolutely love it Uh, but maybe Marriage Story would be my favourite pick for that Um, it'd be in between it'd be be between those three, I think Nice Out's excellent, but wouldn't have that win. Nineteen Seventeen should not be there. Marriage Story, Parasite, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood are all excellent choices. I think it's gonna go maybe to Tarantino, which I'd be happy with. But Marriage Story would be a nice win. Then the adapted screenplays. Uh, so you have Joker, Irishman. Actually, I should. I've I've been trying to train myself to not actually call that the Irishman, much like Le Mans Sixty Six. Um. Because annoyingly it's called Ford versus Ferrari in America. And I just think that's such a stupid title. It's like people are going to be afraid to see what what is a French name. or I think Le Mans is French. But seeing a name like that and going, oh, can't watch that. It's, it's not going to be in English. So they call it Ford v Ferrari. People know those fucking names. 
and it just pisses me off so it's called the man 66 but this obviously the irish man is originally called i heard you paint houses so i'm trying to train myself to say that so for best adapted screenplay i heard you paint houses joker little women jojo rabbit and the two popes um that's a tough one i'd say jojo rabbit would probably take it uh i wouldn't give it to it myself uh I'd like to see The Irishman take it, mostly because I love the film, and Joker obviously is great too. Little Women is actually probably a strong chance that I'll take it too. Because uh, I think Greta Gerwig might have won a writing award last year. I can't remember. Uh, my memory's got bollocks, especially when I'm trying to just do all this on the fly, but she could probably take that. Two Popes, I don't know anyone talking about that movie. I'd be amazed if that wins. So be happy if The Irishman won, but Little Women's probably going to take it. Maybe Jojo. Uh okay cinematography now this is a, a big one because i mean everything here is fantastic i think 1917 is pretty much a shoe and you have roger deakins there he's on another level but obviously robert richardson for once upon a time in hollywood is also on a maximum level it's, it's tough though lawrence Sher, who did the cinematography for joker i think it's a fantastic looking movie but I think maybe along with Irishman would be my least favourite looking. The Irishman looks fantastic. It's uh, Rodrigo Prieto. I think they say his name or Prieto. Both fantastic looking movies. Um, especially because Irishman blended digital and film together. Uh, Joker actually also, for the, the title card of the movie, they shot on film and put over the, the digital footage. I think it's a strange thing to do. But would have been nicer if they just actually directed the whole thing and, or shot the whole thing on film. Uh but lovely looking film both of them but I think when you compare it to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in 1917 they're much stronger and The Lighthouse I would be delighted if that one it's Jaren Balshki or Balshk I don't know how to fucking say these fucking names or Blashk B-L-A-S-C-H-K-E so you pronounce that yourself that would be a tremendous choice because that's a fantastic looking film every single shot in that film is just amazing and they shot it I think they shot it on 16mm and uh, they use lenses from 100 fucking 20 years ago or something like that so it's just fantastic um it's a tough one i think 1917 will take it i think people will they're they're so blown away by the whole birdman-esque long take that that'll get it in there especially because when you have war scenes happening behind it you know there's not many of them but the ones that do happen really stand out uh for my money though once my time in hollywood is easily the choice for me it's just every fucking frame of that film is just rich in colour and style and everything and it's just it's a comfort movie like I've, a friend of mine has watched that nearly 12 times now already and I think he only watched it for the first time there before Christmas or maybe even maybe after Christmas I'm not sure but I've watched it I think four times now and I can, I'm going to watch it several more times I'm dying for that four hour version that he's been teasing for Netflix same with Django I wanted to release that too um, and a proper four hour version of Kill Bill but it, just everything about it I can just try that film on and relax it's just pure comfort viewing all the way through and every time I went to see it in the cinema there was never a point where I'm like okay I'm, I have to get to the boring bit now before I get to the part I like just every second of it I just forget I'm even watching the movie I'm just living in it and Uncle James is similar there's about 20-30 minutes in that where I actually forget I'm watching the movie I'm just so involved Um, so I think 1917 I'll take it but once upon a time in Hollywood I'd, I'd rather took it as the best uh, cinematography so best achievement in film editing it's a tough one you have the man 66 joker irishman parasite and jojo rabbit jojo rabbit again didn't leave much of an impression on me editing wise so wouldn't have that joker very good but again 
none of the editing really stood out to me. Uh, Le Mans 66 is a fucking high contender. The editing in that film is superb. It's, it constantly keeps you on the edge of your seat and it's just fucking... The, the energy and the fucking tension is just incredible with it. Which is another reason why I think fucking Uncle Jem should have been up there. I'd have that instead of Jojo Rabbit. Because the editing in that film is just fantastic as well. The, the, the Safties know what they're doing when it comes to really just throwing you in the middle of shit that you have no escape from because every scene just comes at you and it's just I mean there's a reason people find it call it anxiety the movie everyone I know who's seen it has found some level of anxiousness watching that film Parasite is fantastically well edited too though that would be another high choice for me between that and Le Mans 66 would be my my two best choices Uh, and Thomas Shoemaker for The Irishman actually I didn't mention all the other ones but fucking look at IMDb um, long time Scorsese calibra- or collaborator uh, Thelma Shoemaker she did The Irishman people were kind of laughing saying how's this good editing if it's fucking three and a half hours what a lot of bollocks the editing has to do with how much you can fucking cut the movie down it has to do with the flow of the movie and that movie flows fantastically you're going through several decades with just such ease and it never there's never a point you're looking at it going hang on I'm confused as when this is happening like the fucking oh my god apparently there's people on the academy who watch Little Women and they couldn't figure out that it was non-chronological even though it's visually represented by having the stuff that's in the the future or seven years from you have stuff that has a blue filter over it and that's all the stuff that's happening while they're older. And then you have seven years earlier, which has like a warm orange filter nearly. Kind of like Traffic, the Steven Soderbergh movie. There's like three filters that are used throughout that movie to describe the, the characters and situations. This does the exact same thing. But it also very clearly states at the start of the film, seven years earlier. So it's so fucking obvious that it's not going to be chronological. But still, people didn't understand that. Obviously, The Irishman does the same thing, but it does it so naturally and so well and it flows brilliantly so that that is another tough one especially because the amount that they had to work with and to cut it like to get a good three and a half hour movie so i'd be happy with that too but i think it'll be between le mans 66 and parasite i'd be happy with le mans 66 but i don't know that's a tough one to, to call really a lot of these a lot of the kind of editing and the technical stuff they're they're harder to make a decision with um production design uh, per, uh, without question it should be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood the fucking detail put in that movie there's parts where characters are just driving through LA and every item in the background even if it's just a little newsstand with little stickers on it are all authentic to the time the detail is just incredible that should win um, 1917 obviously looks fantastic and uh, very kind of period accurate but again a lot of that is sort of barren wastelands and big fields it's easy enough to get away with that jojo rabbit would be a good one too there's a lot of nice detail and set design throughout that film especially when you're trying to capture 70 or not 70s uh 40s germany does a good job at it but again once that hollywood is better uh the irish man and parasite then both fantastic parasite has a lot of great detail too especially with the house especially the fact that the fucking house that they're in for that movie was a set that blew my mind i thought they just found some savage house in korea that they could shoot in but that's all a set and it's just i mean it kind of makes sense for some of the shots that are in that film which would have been impossible to pull off otherwise but still extremely impressive they managed to do that um and of course the irish man 
just looks fantastic anyway Scorsese likes to have a lot of kind of period accurate stuff a lot of this would be covering the 50s 60s and 70s and actually more than that um so everything looks really good in it but for me once upon a time in hollywood number one easily uh costume design that's a tough one i don't know fucking much about costumes i mean jojo rabbit would probably have more interesting costumes because it's all kind of ss uniforms and shit like that joker everything kind of looks good in that but it's more or less just 70s attire same with the irishman and same once upon a time in hollywood as good as that movie looks the costumes all look great but probably little women would deserve that the most because the, the amount of coordination that went into the costumes in that everyone kind of had their own uh color scheme to their costumes just all the outfits just really interesting they were a lot more eye-catching looked like a lot more work went into it so i think little women should win for costume design uh makeup and hairstyling fuck knows i mean people would probably say the joker but the joker just has a painted face 1917 is just fucking tight haircuts that all the fucking hipster cons have now bombshell i've no idea judy she probably looks like judy garland's hairstyle i don't know but it seems to have uh maleficence the sequel mistress of evil given that there's a lot of detail and special effects and work that's gone into makeup there that should win it because i remember i think it was 2016 when suicide squad for some fucking reason won best makeup and hairstyle which is a fucking farce Ooh, nearly lost my voice there i'm gonna take a sip of water yeah, it just occurred to me I've been talking non-stop for an hour there. But I remember Suicide Squad won for Best Makeup and I thought, why the fuck is that film winning for that? Like, it's just... I mean, Killer Croc, you can argue there's some good makeup and effects done on him, but it's mostly just the Joker. There's some face paint. Harley Quinn has some face paint. It's, it did not deserve to win that, especially because it was up against fucking Star Trek Beyond, which has some of the most incredible fucking prosthetic heads and special effects ever. And that somehow lost out to some fucking stupid grill they stuck in. You say Joe Pesci, what's his fucking name? Jared Leto's face. What a terrible film. Um, by the way, I meant to see uh, Birds of Prey and Underwater there over the weekend. I didn't get a chance to saw. I will see them during the week, and I will give my review for them then. Uh, all right. So, achievement of music written for motion picture. So original score. Uh, a lot of people are saying the Joker, which I thought the score for that movie was nice, but it didn't really stand out to me uh john williams for rise of the skywalker great score i mean obviously it could be a bit samey because all those star wars movies more or less share the same score with some alterations so but the music is fantastic and it would be nice to actually see that with a, a live orchestra uh alexander desplat who did which is a funny sound name but he did little women the music and that's really good uh i've heard some of his scores before and he's really really fucking excellent so wouldn't be actually too sad if he won I don't actually remember any score in 1917 at all the whole film was just so invested in what was going on with the characters and a lot of it's quite silent that I have no memory of any score in that movie so I I don't know what to fucking say about that Uh, but for me probably Randy Newman's score for Marriage Story I thought the music in that was fantastic and it just captured the atmosphere and it's kind of like sad but also really nice it's kind of typical fucking Randy Newman music nearly but I thought that was just a fucking fantastic score. So Marriage Story would be my pick for, for best score. Original song, I have no way of answering that. I mean, I've seen two of the movies here. There's one that Elton John and Bernie Taupin made for Rocketman that Taron Edgerton did. Uh, I don't remember the song, if I'm being honest. I just would have assumed it was an older song I hadn't heard. I mean, I'm not an expert on Elton John's music, so I don't know. 
I do remember the music in Toy Story 4 also by Randy Newman being quite good, so I'm going to just go for Toy Story 4. The other films nominated are Breakthrough, which I haven't even heard of. Uh, Frozen 2, which there's a chance that could probably win. I don't know if What's Her Face is involved. Um, and then Harriet, which I don't know the music. Although it says here that Cynthia Erivo did her own music for it, so that could be interesting. Uh, but for me, probably Toy Story 4. Uh, sound mixing. Now, sound mixing and sound editing is a uh, is a, is a tough one to call um because they're very similar kind of things and i don't i can't say i'm an expert on either of them uh, there are movies that i know the sound is incredible in like for instance i remember interstellar and actually fucking what's it called uh hacksaw ridge the fucking sound in that movie was something else i remember practically ducking under bullets in the cinema but I think I'm just going for overall sound for all the films that are nominated here, so that's that's the best way I can put it. So for sound mixing, you have 1917, Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Le Mans 66, and Ad Astra. Ad Astra had amazing sound, and there's times where there's no sound at all, and that actually just adds to the uh, effectiveness of it, especially because it's like the light rumbles. I think Gravity did a similar thing, because obviously it's set in space. Uh, Le Mans 66, the sound is blinding in that, so that would be a nice one to win. Uh, although I think 1917 is going to take it because especially in IMAX the sound that is deafening and just so intense and explosive and just really really good Joker I don't recall any standout sound in that so that's a tough one to say and once upon a time in Hollywood just sounds great anyways especially the sound of the cars driving which I know sounds like a stupid uh, example to give but it just it really sets an atmosphere um and then sound editing is kind of the same, only instead of Ad Astra, you have Rise of the Skywalker. Now, the sound of those movies are fucking superb as well, so that's a, a, also a tough one. I'd be happy with that winning. But again, it's probably going to be 1917. Uh, so, how many have I got left now? There's a few nominations, although some I can't really give uh, an answer for. So, visual effects. You have 1917, which I don't know if I'd give... Because when I think of visual effects, I think of... Um, mostly kind of computer generated stuff that film has some for sure and they're done very well but i think in terms of what they achieved with special effects the likes of rise of the skywalker or avengers endgame would be up there for me i haven't seen the lion king it does look undeniably incredibly realistic although it looks like a fucking stupid remake um and obviously the effects in the irishman when they work are amazing when they don't work they stand out bad so I wouldn't pick that, but it'd be between Endgame and Rise of Skywalker. Probably leaning towards Endgame. Endgame special effects are just fucking superb. Uh, I've actually not seen any of the documentaries, so I can't give an answer on that. Although, uh, American Factory, I think, won at the Spirit Awards last night. And quite annoyingly, Apollo 11 wasn't nominated. Now, I haven't watched it yet. I actually plan to watch it later, maybe. But that... It's just fucking the idea of that documentary is just so fascinating. I'm amazed that that didn't immediately take people and make them want to fucking vote for it. Uh, short subject documentary, obviously, I've not seen any of them. Animated feature, I've only seen Klaus and Toy Story 4. I haven't seen Missing Link, although I like the, the studio behind it. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon, I heard they're all great. I've not seen any of them. And I Lost My Body is a really interesting idea and looks really nicely animated, but I haven't seen it yet. Klaus, though fantastic animation lots of really recognizable voices and stuff throughout it too it was nice to hear norm mcdonald actually have a, a big enough role um 
really fantastic movie really nice looking it was like a half mixture of i think it's hand-drawn and digital like it's really nicely done but toy story 4 is up there and toy story 4 for me is gonna win because that's just incredible just the amount of ridiculous detail in that film just threads and everything and people's clothes are highly detailed so it's just the work put in is incredible and i would pick that personally and then you've animated short film i've not seen any of them I've not seen any of the actual short films of live action ones. And then international film. I think for a while people thought Pain and Glory would take it. And I mean, it deserves the nomination there. I thought it was very good. Uh, I haven't seen Honeyland. Uh, Le Miserable. Or Le Miserable. Oh god. My voice has just gone to dog shit. Uh, the Miserables I'm just going to call it. Uh, it's not to do with the musical. It's some. It seems to be like a drama or thriller from france um just happens to use that name i don't know much about it and in corpus christi which is a, a an interesting plot line um there are some like good choices and stuff like that especially for pain and glory i think that's a, a one that has a chance of maybe surprising people but it's gonna be parasite parasite's just been sweeping everywhere it's almost a, an embarrassment to be up next to it because you're gonna not fucking beat it but I mean again they could surprise us Pain and Glory could walk away with it I'd be happy with Parasite I'd rather Parasite um, and what I've heard good things about the other movies I, don't, I can't really give my opinion on them so so yeah I'm, I'm actually I'm meant to have a quick look at some of my movies of last year just thinking stuff I think should have been nominated Eddie Murphy was definitely snubbed he absolutely deserved the nomination for best actor because he's just fucking superb in that film uh, sorry for Dolomite is my name Florence Pugh should have got a, a nomination for Midsummer. I think she deserved that more so there. Uh, a lot of people saying that Lupita Nyong'o for Us deserves a nomination. I'd half agree. I think she's really good in certain scenes in that film and like really believable. Other scenes, she's not as believable. Uh, Brad Pitt for Ad Astra should have been up there. Also, Emmanuel Lubezki. I think he... Is that who fucking did cinematography? It's whoever did the cinematography for Interstellar did it. And I'm trying to remember, was that him? Uh, so bear with me while I consult imdb and find out was i right there because i know it, it's definitely the same one from interstellar but i could be mixing up the guy he works with fucking terence malick oh no hoyt van hoytema that's who i was thinking of levetsky's terence malick's guy so yeah hoyt van hoytema should have been up for cinematography because ad astrid looks incredible and it's fucking brutally underrated as well it's wrecking my head how people are going on about that because the trailer for that film just shows the one action scene in the whole movie and just almost advertises the movie like it's just going to be like that the whole way which i think is unfair the film deserves a lot better it's it's fucking really good i can't remember the young lad's name but he's in mid 90s he was in i think he might have been up for an oscar before uh sonny suljic or suljic i think that's how you say his name he's fantastic in the uh, mid 90s he, he definitely should have got a nomination um and i suppose some of these movies as well were out in 2018 in america and probably were nominated then but not for this year oh what's her face the partially italian irish girl ashling franciosi could be saying that name wrong as well uh for the nightingale she put in a fucking incredible performance and was criminally overlooked um for a nomination here who i mean personally to me she wouldn't have beat scar johansson but she fucking would have been up there among them and that would have been a, a fucking excellent choice I'm, I'm annoyed she didn't get a chance to fucking get her name out there for that because she's vastly overlooked 
there's a lot here I'm kind of just scrolling through now there's a lot of stuff for cinematography as well I mean Dragged Across Concrete looks fucking amazing it's really still but it just looks fantastic Under the Silver Lake also looked fantastic Midsummer, obviously I mentioned earlier um, I don't know there's just a, there's a lot I mean it's a tough year because 2019 I've been saying this for a while now is probably the best year of the decade in terms of consistent brilliant movies now, my probably my favorite movie. Actually, I don't really want to ruin it, but some of my favorite movies throughout that decade would have been from around two thousand eleven, two thousand fourteen, and e- each year has had fantastic movies. Some that I've seen more than once. I think every year I have at least one film I see more than once. This year has already been uncut gems, but in terms of the quality from start to finish, twenty or first. To, 2019 I'll, I'll, that's a tough one to say as well because the stuff that i got to see in 2018 like green book and the favorite which weren't technically released until 2019 and obviously there's the stuff in america i mean uncle james has already been out in america for months now while we only got it in 2020 they had it in 2019 so it's hard to say but for me from what i got to see from the start of 2019 to the end it is a blinding year for films so it's been a tough it's been a tough fucking decision for the Oscars because there's so much good stuff there to choose from. But, I don't know, I think some stuff didn't deserve as much uh, as, as much praise as it got. It'll be tough to see. And, I guess I've repeated myself about five times there, but I'm, I'm just trying to find a way to get across that it's uh, such a good year and such a interesting lineup. And I'm hoping there's a lot of surprises. I'm hoping there's not too much fucking nonsense in between the movies cringy fucking jokes shitty fucking speeches about fucking being pompous and assholey i just want fun i just want this to be entertaining and to go up there and they talk about the movies and talk about the art form and the people they respect and the people they want to work with that's what it's all about it's not up there to just get a fucking lecture so hopefully it'll uh be a decent four hours like i said i didn't watch it last year because it was an embarrassment of a lineup this is a lot better i'm hoping i get something more from it i am I'm planning to now release an episode tomorrow where I talk about the award show itself and maybe what I end up seeing throughout today. But yeah, it's unfortunate I didn't get to see everything. I did get to see all the best pictures, nominations, and I got to see best directors. So I'm happy they're the kind of the key ones. But yeah, very, very important fucking, uh, or very interesting line of this year. So let's see what happens. And I do plan, and throughout the week I want to see, like I said, Birds of Prey. I want to see Underwater. There was a couple more, actually. Um, I had a few films in mind that I wanted to see last week. I just didn't get around to seeing. Obviously, I got to see Little Women and uh, Richard Jewell, which I'd been planning to see. I still haven't seen Bad Boys. I want to see that. Uh, I'll probably, hopefully, get to Bombshell. It's only on early now, so... I'm not hugely interested in Doolittle. It could be crap, but... I don't know, it kind of looks like fun. Queen and Slim, I still haven't fucking seen. I really want to see that. And that one, the rhythm section, which got no attention and it's pretty much come and gone now. I think it's gone. Like, this would be the last week for it. I only have one week. Hearing bad things about it, but it looked interesting and I only found out a lot of it was shot in Dublin, so. Uh, or all over Ireland. And I, I don't give a fuck what people say. I think the Sonic the Hedgehog movie looks like fun. There. I said it. It looks like good crack. When I saw the first fucking trailer come out, I was embarrassed because it was the most shitty looking thing ever. But when they fixed it up and he actually looks like Sonic now, it looks like good crack. It looks like something that would be fun to watch with the kids. It looks like it would be a good double bill with the Detective Pikachu movie. It just looks like it's in the same ballpark as that. Fun, familiar character. 
in a sort of modern setting. More than happy to watch it. Looks like fun. So I think over this week I'm gonna try catch up on I'll try catch up on, on Bombshell. But most importantly, Queen and Slim, Bad Boys, um what is it called? Underwater and Birds of Prey. If I can see all them this week, I'll be more than happy. Although I don't know if anything's out Friday. Let's see. Well, actually the Lost Boys and Ghost are back in cinemas, which would be cool, but uh, there's, there's, oh no, yeah, Sonic's out this week, so yeah, I'll try to see Sonic if I can. Although, probably unlikely if I get to it this week, because it'll probably be packed full of people, so maybe next week. Oh, um, sorry, I feel quite rambly now, because normally if I'm recording these, I sort of think to myself for a minute, or I might think too long on the spot, and I think, oh, hang on, I'll pause this for a sec, have a drink of water, whatever else. But I've actually just been talking consistently for the last, how long? Because this has been recording much longer than I expected it to. An hour or 20 minutes. So. Jesus. We'll see how tomorrow's one goes. It'll probably be a lot shorter. Might even be 40 minutes. Might even be half an hour. Might be fucking two hours. You know what I'm like. But yeah. I hope you enjoyed this. If you managed to fit it in before the Oscars. Well and good. Uh, you might be listening to this in the morning. And then eagerly awaiting my next episode. I doubt. I mean I don't know if Monday's episode will actually be out Monday. It could be out Tuesday. Who knows. Um. Like I said, this is a, a very free-form, free-flowing kind of idea. So, thanks for listening if you got this far. Uh, I'd be interested to hear what people think and what they're going to expect to win or what their predictions are. Do let me know. I'll probably make a post on the Cracked Rail page uh, about it. Um, and I'll probably do a, a live um, reaction to the show. I tend to do that every... Well, when I was watching it, i just do it on my own Facebook page. I probably won't do it on Cracked Rail. But I'll talk about it all tomorrow. It'll be all the points I bring up. I'll pretty much be keeping notes on my own Facebook of what I think about the show. So, uh, thanks for listening. And hope you enjoy the Oscars, if you can. I recommend checking out the Spirit Awards. Even just looking at the clips from it. It just looks like so much fucking fun. And, yeah, hope you have a good Sunday. And you're all cons. Goodbye.